Welcome back to your tech report. He is Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. I am Mark Flatlow in Montreal. Uh, you know, follow us on Twitter. It's uh, at your tech report, of course, on social media yeah. everywhere, YouTube, Instagram. You can follow us. Mitchell, one of the things that we get so many questions about lately is is storage. And I think this is because more and more people have the tools at their disposal to be able to obviously record great video with your phone, create great right. audio. Um, so everybody's saying, I need more storage. I need more than the terabyte that's included in my MacBook. I need more than the 500 gigs that's a, that's in my Surface. So, you know, it, it's no longer big enough. So, you know, and people ask us, what about backup? And what about backups to backup? So I reached out to a company that I've known about for many, many years, and we finally got an opportunity to talk to their CEO, and that company is Drobo, and our guest is Mihir Sham. Mihir, welcome to your Tech Report. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm a big follower of the show, and uh, I'm glad we finally got to connect. Well, thank you for being here, Mihir. And, and, you know, for people who aren't familiar with Drobo, you know, for our listeners who are, are just kind of wondering, okay, what what's this company about? Can you explain in a nutshell what you guys do and how you came to be? Yeah, you know, the company's been around for quite some time. Uh, it was founded in 2005, and really it was under the premise of, you know, uh, uh, the founder at that time that data was going to grow, and it, and it was going to grow at an extremely rapid rate, not for businesses only, and uh, also for, for individuals, consumers, and, and small business. And so the thinking behind it was, you know, there was these large companies, st- data storage companies, that made very complex products. How could you know, how, how could a company make something that's so easy to use, but yet allows the user to save and um, uh, back up their data? And that was really the genesis of it. Something that's simple to use, that's designed beautifully, that looks, you know, very nice on your uh, desktop. And, you know, quite frankly, uh, anyone could use it without a tech background. And that was the genesis. Uh, you know, the company was a Silicon Valley darling. Uh, back in the day, they had raised a um, uh, extraordinary amount of capital and, you know, they got the products out to market and, you know, had some issues, uh, uh, um, you know, over kind of the 2010 to 2014 timeframe. Uh, I stepped in as the CEO in 2015, really to refocus the business on its roots, which was providing uh, data storage for creative professionals, uh, for, uh, you know, home users, anywhere where simplicity is valued uh, and, um, uh, and, and kind of here we are, you know, we've been growing year over year. We've been introducing new products. There are new things coming out like Thunderbolt 3 and those types of things. And, you know, we're you know, fortunate to have a great, uh, fantastic team um, on the leading edge of making technology simple. You know, here you mentioned a word that, that really stuck out to me. That word was simplicity. And we're going to talk about the hardware because your hardware solutions are great. And we want to hear about the different options. But let's start off first with the software because, Mahir, one of the first, one of the things we always talk about on the show, and this spans pretty much every product in every industry, is barrier to entry. And one of the barriers to entry that we see across the line of tech, you know, the tech spectrum is, you know, people are intimidated. And when it comes to storage, for a lot of people, if they're looking at a multi-drive solution, they think, oh, this is too complex. I don't need something that complex. I need the storage, but I don't want to deal with having to worry. But So creating software, creating a user interface, creating a system that basically runs itself must have been a huge priority for you guys. And designing that software must have taken time to make sure it was accessible and kind of a turnkey solution for everyone, right? Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, the hardware is the hardware. And where right. the uh, intellectual property and, and competitors differentiate is really on the software. And we have our Beyond Raid technology, and we have our Drobo dashboard, 
which essentially allows anybody to be able to set up a, a massive amount of data uh, in, in under 10 minutes. No, wow. Not only that, but you also give people the ability to integrate with different solutions that they're already using today, whether it's things like their OneDrive or things like their, their Dropbox accounts or just different creative solutions. That exists as well. And I'm guessing that came out from, I guess, from, from, from need, I guess. Was that from consumer feedback or was that just something that was on the roadmap? Well, it, you know, it's always been on the roadmap. And, you know, as a business, you got to prioritize what the customers want. And what we do is we hold customer councils every year and we get, uh, you know, get together a set of 10 to 12 power users and non-power users to see, you know, what, what, what features that they value. And in fact, we brought out a product manager from Apple uh, who's got the Apple process down, uh, you know, uh, a product process down. And that's how recently we've been developing that stuff. Hey, what does the user want and what do they need? What we've learned from this is people don't 100% trust the cloud anymore, right? Uh, you know, there have been several uh, issues related to, uh, you know, hacking of certain clouds like passwords and those types of things, and we've, we've read about those. Secondly, um, cloud is great if you have kind of sub-500 gigs or sub-terabyte. Yeah. Once you get above that terabyte level of data, it actually becomes pretty, pretty expensive um, proposition. And so what we realized was, hey, if we can create a solution where you have most of your data uh, that you're, you know, that a creative person is editing or any dad or mom that's out there taking pictures of their kids that they value, you know, you have that raw data that sits next to you because you want to edit it, you want to organize it, you want to do those types of things. And then what you use the cloud for is really backup and, you know, really a, a secondary backup that's uh, in, in the event there's a fire in your house or in your office or those types of things. Um, and we went even a step further. You know, some people said, oh, I don't want to do the cloud at all. How can I create, like, my own kind of private network? And what we did was we said, okay, well, we got two of these what's called network attached storages and you can actually take one and I can leave it at my house and you can take another and you can you know leave it at your friend's house your sister's house and those two drobos will sync with each other so you have a copy at your place and then you have a copy off site right so we you know we created that uh, software it's called uh, drobo dr dr standing for disaster recovery so we've taken a lot of time and effort into creating software that solves just, you know, basic challenges that people are having with managing their data. You know, Mahir, you t actually, I was, I was smiling at Mark because you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to ask about the consumer's lack of faith in the cloud as a primary storage solution, and you already beat me to it. But one, one of the really great things, I mean, there really is no substitute for being able to point. First of all, I, I don't know. I'm sure you've had this, you know, if it's happened in your life, trying to explain the cloud to someone that isn't tech savvy as a primary storage solution. So, like, so where is everything stored? At least when you have, a, you know, a solution like Drobo, you can point to that desk. You can point under the desk and say, here, here's where everything is going. If anything fails, it automatically repairs itself. And oh, and people get it. So really, I've always felt there is no substitute for having a tangible physical solution. Like you said, cloud is good as secondary, but even if you don't have a lot of storage, there's no substitute for the security that goes along with being able to point to your desk and say, hey, everything is right here. For, for a lot of consumers, that still is the primary thing. They want to be able to see, touch, feel exactly where everything that they love and cherish is. Yeah, and, and, and look, we, we, we've also made our network-attached devices kind of cloud-ready. So, right. we, you know, we have a uh, platform called Drobo Access. So you can actually access all your files on any mobile device wherever you are. So you get that Dropbox or, you know, that type of feel, but the data is residing within your four walls, and you have complete right. control over it. Now, look, if you look at all the hacking that's going on, 
and you look at those types of things, they typically happen where you have these, um, you know, uh, nefarious people that are out there that are targeting large data centers. And those large data centers are your cloud. The most difficult thing to hack is when you have a distributed storage uh, platform. So if you have, if I have a Drobo, you have a Drobo, and somebody else has a Drobo, all our data is completely dispersed. So a hacker or a, you know, a nefarious group cannot physically find those locations um, you know, easily. And so that's why we feel that there's actually a, a, uh, a, a renaissance or, or a hardware renaissance coming back. People are pulling their data off the cloud because they don't want to be host- held hostage over yeah. there. Plus, plus, of course, the costs. You know, it's it's it's, it's you know, you, it's never enough. You know, see, I think storage gets a pretty bad bad reputation for being for being slow, but you know, but doing its job, and that doesn't really cut it anymore. We talked about you know keeping things local so that you can edit things. Obviously, listen, four K video, six K video, eight K video. I mean, that's labor intensive. You need you need that local. And one of the products specifically that I wanted to talk about that really addresses this is your latest five bay storage that has Thunderbolt three and USB 3.0. This is, I guess, designed for those high-intensive kind of creative person, I guess? Absolutely. So we, we were the first one out with a, uh, a five-bay, you know, fully self-managing uh, Thunderbolt 3 storage device, uh, which was last year, which was the 5D3. Our prime target uh, for, that, um, for that product, our, 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 our customer segment, is really the small to mid-sized creatives. And what we saw was... Um, individual content creators, right? These are the guys that are democratizing what used to be the, the, the traditional broadcast type guys, your, your, your CBSs and your big studios. Yeah. And when you look at the amount of data that's being created by uh, YouTubers uh, and using platforms like Vimeo and other video platforms, that is the fastest growing segment of the, 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 the creative segment. And that's the target that we're specifically going after. Look, we want you to focus on your creativity. Let us take care of the storage for you guys. Now, do you and, think- and you're really making you're really making the creatives not have to choose what they keep because you know we started our YouTube channel using it in full force. Mark about what about a year and a half ago, yeah. and we found ourselves having to decide: well, what do we keep? What do we not keep? What what videos do we archive? What ones do we clear out so we can have the space? And basically, now you're giving creatives the freedom to not have to choose what they keep and what they don't keep. Basically, all raw footage, all creativity, all the little things you think you may not need can now be saved, kept, and archived safely and quickly without people having to choose, okay, I have to get rid of this now because uh, I've run out of room. Yeah, and, and look, we, 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 we took a similar approach to de- designing you know, the, the Beyond Raid uh, technology really addresses this. Look, a small uh, a studio shop um, who, who, who lives and dies by the content that they create uh, has to have the flexibility and investment protection. Our, ours is the only device out there where, let's say you have five one terabyte drives in there and your device is getting full, you simply eject one drive and pop in a five terabyte drive and you can utilize that exactly. whole pool. Every other device in that in that cat in that in that price point where we're at, if you have five one terabyte drives, you gotta replace all of those five of them, one yeah. terabyte drives with yeah. the same drive. Right. And so people don't talk about that a lot, but it's very true. The other thing is we've been growing very fast in international markets like um, India because uh, our system has a battery-backed cache built inside the system, and nobody talks about that. So what happens when you have a, a, a storage um, device that's 
plugged into your computer and you accidentally pull the USB cord out, you get data corruption, right? What our device does is it automatically recognizes that when you pull that out and the power um, goes out, that the system writes the last journal of data before, and then the system shuts itself down in a, in a, in a, in a methodical way so you don't corrupt your data. So we're, we're the only device that has that out in the marketplace, and we don't talk about that enough. Now, I have a question for you because the one thing I've, I've been looking for as I grow my, my data pool here, I've been looking for something that has that USB you know, 3.0 and Thunderbolt 3, but also has the network ability. And I haven't quite seen that yet. And tell me if I am wrong and you have something that solves that. And if not, what's the barrier there? So, yeah, so I'm going to get a little technical here. That's cool. And, again, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not that technical of a person. So there's two <laughs> types of devices. <laughs> there's a network-attached device which runs on your basic Ethernet protocol. Yep. And right. what, what that does is that uses a Linux-based file system to manage your data. Okay, so, so we've got a network-attached device that uses a file system. So think of that as its own separate computer. Correct. When you use a direct-attached device where it's attached directly to your computer or your workstation that you're using, it uses your computer's file system, Right. So right. you could never really combine those two because they're using two different file systems and protocols. And people say that, oh, well, we have, you know, there's a competitor out there that says, hey, we have a Thunderbolt-based uh, NAS device. Yeah, but it's, what they don't tell you, it's Thunderbolt over Ethernet. So it is an actual, it is very slow, but the connectivity is over there. So it's running its own file system, and you'll lose the ability to... Um, uh, to do you know 4K 8K video editing because the speed is never going to get there on a on a uh, uh, Ethernet based you know, so that's does that a, make sense? No, it, it does make sense. And that's actually a very important thing that I think a lot of people don't bring up. And we've had conversations with other hard drive manufacturers, and, and this is something they don't talk about, and I think it's for that reason. So, you know, if you're a creator and you want be able, to be able to have fast access to your video files, you don't want a network-attached storage device. You want a direct-attached storage device. And then you might still want a network-attached storage device for your maybe your long-term kind of archival purposes, something you don't need quick access to so there are use cases for both to either have one or the other or have both yeah and typically that's what we do so what what our typical customer does is they have two they have a a, a direct attached device which is their primary working device yeah. uh and what they do is then they sync that to a uh, 5n2 or a, or a ba10n which is an 8bay nas device and so there's constant uh access so you have access to all your stuff and it's being synced as well, and so uh, most most people buy two because they like to have two copies of their data in two different places. I must tell you that I kind of fell into that trap. I have a one, two, three, a six base storage device sitting here on my desk, and it's a competitor. I'm sorry, I, I'm going to be very honest with you. <laughs> and and I I thought it was going to be that that uh, direct editing solution for me, but it's not. And, uh, and I fell into it because my computer started acting really weird, slowing down. And then I realized that the second I unplugged that thing, everything kind of goes nice, nice and lightning fast. So, uh, so this is, you know, I, I learn something new every day. There you go. Yeah, it, it, and, and it's very confusing. And, and we get that from customers. Why don't I buy this device that gives me NAS or, you know, NAS-like or network-attached storage-like functionality, and it also gives me Thunderbolt? I'm like, you can do it but you're not going to get the performance 
uh, from a direct attached device that's sitting right next to your workstation. That, that, that's what you need is you need those speeds. The other thing I tell people, and I'm sure you're very aware of this, is be very mindful of the drives that you buy. Yes. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, cheap drives out there that are lower quality drives. And, you know, we provide the ability for you to pick and choose drives. But if performance is the issue that you're looking for, make sure you have high performance drives. Um, because people do end up uh, buying really low quality drives and they end up failing in a year or two and they're extremely slow. Um, so, you know, we tell people pay attention to that. Hey, Mihir, uh, so for our audience who's listening and saying, you know what, I get this, I want this, I need this, let's talk about price. Well, what price point can people jump in to get themselves a system? So I think a 5D3 is six ninety nine, dollars and you can get it on any of our e-tails or at www.drobo.com. Uh, we have an online store. Uh, we sell in places like uh, outside Amazon, B&H yeah. Photography, uh, you know, several retailers, Best Buy, those types of things. Um, our 5N2 device is $499, which is a network-attached device. It has dual Ethernet ports on the back. And then we have a 5C, uh, which is, I believe, $349, which is just a USB-C device. So it's, uh, it's our entry-level product. And then on the eight days, we have an iSCSI device, which is a little bit more of a sophisticated device for uh, folks um, you know, that have you know, larger size businesses. And then we have a B810N, which is another NAS device, typically targeted to the uh, business segment, but we do see individuals buy that. Those retail for somewhere between $1,000 and $1,200, I believe. Mihir, what's a, can you talk about your roadmap a bit of uh, what you can talk about, about what we're expecting to see in the kind of the, the, the evolution of storage? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, uh, SSDs, you know, we believe SSDs are going to be the future. You know, our products, uh, you know, looking out 18 to 24 months, um, you know, we're going to be incorporating some, some pretty fast SSD technology. We're going to be incorporating uh, uh, larger um, uh, uh, formats of devices. You know, people have asked for 10-bay and 12-bay devices, so we're in the early stages of formulating that. And the way that we think about business is, you know, historically it was, uh, uh, before I got here, it was always, hey, let's go build the product and the customers will come. My philosophy is a little bit different. I spend a lot of time with customers and what the market needs, and those are the types of products that we're going to put out. And the way that we view it is, um, our customers have a workflow, and that workflow goes from, you know, creating or ingesting the data all the way to uh, managing and monetizing on their data. And so we're looking at developing products or partnering with companies that incorporate the end-to-end workflow of a, of a creative professional or a, uh, um, uh, you know, a, a photographer or a small office. So that's kind of where, you know, where we see the products will, will show up. It's going to be very, very customer-focused. Well, I noticed also on the website you have a whole community of Drobo ambassadors in different fields that is very cool, and it's obviously you're obviously leaning on a lot of those people to see where their workflow comes. And, and I, I'm, I'm looking at some empty space here, so I'm going to see if we can try and fill that with a picture of Mitchell and myself one of these days. <laughs> Do... Did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. 
Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.